Good morning, 1548 Heights members and friends online and in person. Grace and peace to you in abundance. If you notice that Ashton is leading worship with a little extra verve today, even more than his usual uh, wonderful worship leading, it's because his parents are in town. Uh, John and Barbara uh, Abbott, who are here just coincidentally around the one-year anniversary of their granddaughter. I, it just always seems to work out that way, but I'm so glad to meet them, and we just love having Ashton as part of 1548 Heights. We are also happy to welcome our newest indentured servant, I mean staff member. Uh, as you know, Melissa Ferguson is temporarily working as our administrative assistant before she moves out of town at the end of or middle of September. And so we uh, did an interview process and job search, and we came up with uh, a jewel right from our own church family. Yvonne Mendoza is, works full-time uh, for the University of Houston, but she's also going to take over the 10 to 12 hours a week or so of this administrative assistant job, and we, uh, we, uh, we welcome you, Yvonne. Thank you so much for that. I have the joy of announcing that next Sunday, August 20th, to celebrate the end of summer, the beginning of school, and what we just pray in faith will be a cessation of this furnace-like apocalyptic weather. Uh, we will have a Agape Fellowship meal here in the fellowship hall following the worship service. That's August 20th, next Sunday. Uh, the church will supply, what would you say a great Texas church supply for the, the, the entree. What meat? Brisket. That's right. We are going to have some incredible brisket. So everyone just bring a side or a dessert or both and you're invited to, uh, to stay after worship and that'll just be a, a wonderful time together. We are seeking as our mission to be a transforming church, changing lives for God and for good in the world as God transforms us into the image of Jesus. I just love being a part of that mission with you. I told you during August I was going to preach uh, just sort of some one-time one messages. I call them little bread comp crumb messages as I've just gathered ideas, I put them in my phone just, you know, to preach on sometime, and I'm gathering up some of those and preaching on them through August before beginning a new teaching series in September. And what I'm going to talk about today, as Ashton already mentioned to you, is adoption. Adoption. Now, this is not because our uh, daughter and son-in-law are in the adoption process uh, up in Seattle. Uh, that's certainly a sweet part of our uh, life, but because, as I've said to you many times before, adoption is a beautiful thing and a powerful thing, and it, 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 it's gospel. It has the gospel sort of embedded in it, and in fact, uh, there are many powerful analogies used uh, in the epistles and the gospels to describe what Jesus has done for us in his crucifixion and resurrection, and adoption is one of those powerful metaphors. Paul, the Apostle Paul, draws from Roman uh, legal law when he talks about adoption in Christ Jesus. 
uh, Romans would adopt a child because they wanted an heir to their status, their rank, their privilege. Maybe they didn't have an heir, and that was something that was passed on. And so, as one commentator said, there was nothing more joyful than to discover that one had been adopted by a powerful Roman family because the status of the adopting family was immediately transferred to the adopted child. And so as we begin, I'm going to tell you, normally there's sort of an action item associated with a, a message. You know, last week it was be reconcilers. Go and actively seek reconciliation in any conflicted relationships you may have in your life. And today there's no action item. This is going to be receive. Receive these words and, and believe them. Trust in them. Rejoice in them. So I guess that's a little bit of an action item. So let's read now our core scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Listen to the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be home, holy and blameless before Him in love. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. Thanks be to God for His Word and for His living Word, Jesus Christ. I read a story about a girl named Mariah. She was born to an absent father and a mother with mental health challenges and substance abuse issues. And so from ages 5 through 14, she went back and forth between her, her mother's home and various foster homes. She says, I knew what adoption was, but I didn't think that the, that, that was something that was going to ever happen to me. This all changed when she was referred to the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, uh, the Dave Thomas founder, uh, uh, Foundation for Adoption. One of, the, one of the adoption specialists, listen to this, built her a network of mentors and supportive adults, among whom were Emily and John. And these three developed a close and trusting relationship. Just before her 15th birthday, Emily and John told Mariah they wanted to adopt her. Mariah says, it took a huge weight off my chest knowing that I didn't have to worry about not having a home anymore. I haven't felt relief literally in all of my life until now. Not only does Mariah have a father for the first time and a loving permanent home, but she has a little sister. Mariah says, she's the light of my life about this little girl. One of the many, many beautiful stories of adoption in our world. As we start the outline, if you find it helpful to follow along in the outline that's in your bulletin, you can, you can do that now. One of the deepest human needs we have is 
the need to belong. One of the deepest human needs is to know that we belong. Any one of us can tell the difference between walking into a room full of strangers and walking into a room full of friends. We know that in the room with friends, we belong. The local church is meant to be a place of belonging. That's, that's what the local church is meant to be. But it isn't always, and not necessarily because there's something wrong with the church, but just human predilection and, and tendencies. I remember my first experience in a church as a newly baptized Christian in the uh, late 30s. No, but not that long. <laughs> But, you know, I was out of town a lot for work, and this, I just I didn't really get to know anyone. And I, I felt this was my church home, my place membership and all that. But it wasn't until I moved to a new job and I was in town a little more, and I made a friend. I made a friend. And that changed everything. And I always tell people, if you can make just one friend in, in your church, it'll change the way you feel that sense of belonging. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans 15, verse 7. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles, and though they are one church in Rome, I mean, there's some tensions. There's some tensions. Is it a Jewish Christian church or is it a Gentile Christian church? And Paul says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You all belong. Live out that belonging. Some of you who have studied psychology are familiar with Maslow, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, uh, let's see the diagram here. Maslow starts at the bottom of the pyramid. He says uh, the, the basic, most prevalent need everyone has is physiological food, water, and sleep. Just above that is safety. The feeling that we are, are safe and we, we don't have to worry about our safety uh, every minute. Look at what is just above that. Belonging and love. That's how basic this is. The human need to belong. And so one of the deepest human needs is to know that we belong. What about adoption? Our adoption by God through Christ which is testified to in the Scriptures, we just read in Ephesians 1, and we're going to read a couple more, uh, assures us of some things, proclaims some things. And our adoption by God through Christ proclaims first that we are wanted by God, that we are wanted. <laughs> you don't, you're not adopted if you're not wanted. It all starts with want, being wanted. First John chapter 4, verse 10, And this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, it's not hard to love someone who loves you. I notice that when people like me, few as they may be, I mean, I just immediately like them back. I mean, it's like, boy, they have good taste. They're just fine people. But it doesn't say God loved us because we loved him. Uh, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Imagine going from being in 
a foster home to being adopted. The key thing there is not just that we will agree to take care of you, but that we want you forever, for all time. And so adoption, the metaphor of adoption proclaims that we are wanted by God. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Read it with me. Or not, because I didn't put it in the slide. See, I try to fake you all out there sometimes. You know, David's up there going, bro, we don't have it at all. But I will read it to you. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law. Listen, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. We are wanted by God. Make the second note. Our adoption by God through Christ proclaims that we are welcomed by God. Welcomed by God. Romans 15, 7. Welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. See, you can be wanted and not welcomed. But adoption says you are wanted and welcomed. I remember uh, coming to a previous church as their newly hired senior minister, and I knew I was wanted, uh, you know, the whole interview process and everything. And then I showed up the first day and, you know, was shown my office. It was a nice office, you know, big and all that. But no one had dusted it. I don't think for the entire year that they'd been without a senior minister. And I remember thinking, hmm, I don't feel very welcome. And then I sat down and I opened one of the drawers to uh, start putting my pens and everything in it. There were termites. <laughs> and God bless them, they just hadn't thought of it. But you can be wanted. I knew I was wanted. I, I think I was wanted. <laughs> but I wasn't really welcomed. This is a book that I read 20 years ago. I like this kind of stuff. Uh, Mike Abrashoff called It's Your Ship. He went on to write two more books. Ready? Ship Happens. <laughs> and Get Your Ship Together. All right. But at age 36 years old, he was named the commanding officer of a destroyer, and he was one of the youngest commanding officers ever for a ship of that magnitude, and it was one of the worst performing ships in the entire Navy. Its re-enlistment rate, sailors who came up for re-enlistment, they could either get out of the Navy or stay in, was zero percent. Can you imagine if in your company your employees left as soon as they could leave? And so he came in with kind of a, a, a devil-may-care attitude. He said, I got nothing to lose here. We're already at the bottom. And he decided to just be as creative and courageous as he could be. And, and the gist of it was he just kept putting 
um, initiative to the staff and, and the sailors and just letting them come up with the ideas. And, of course, they had a lot of ideas. But at any rate, he asked his executive officer, his second in command, what is our onboarding program here? The executive officer said, well, I, I, not much. And this was what was happening. 18-year-olds who enlisted in the Navy would go to boot camp. They would graduate on a Friday morning. They would be flown out to their next duty station. And if it was a ship in port like his, uh, they would go directly to the ship. Well, this was on a Friday evening when all but a skeleton crew leaves the ship for the weekend. And so this 18-year-old comes on board. You know, he's welcomed. He's checked in. But that's it. He doesn't know where anything is. And he's got the whole weekend to be sort of alone before the crew comes back. And Abershoff asked his executive officer, your daughter's 12 years old. That means this could be her in six years. What would you, what would you like to be the welcome process for her? <laughs> Good question to ask. Here's what they came up with. When they were notified that a new sailor was coming to their ship, that sailor would be met by three other sailors of their gender who were called running mates. And the first thing they would do was they would escort this sailor up to the captain's cabin. He wasn't there because he didn't sleep on the ship when it was in port and be able to call home and tell their parents, I'm okay, I got here, uh, they're taking good care of me. And by calling from the captain's cabin, he got that special government rate of $3 million a minute. No, it was 90 seconds, 90 cents for 30 minutes. Call home and just talk. And then that new sailor was escorted down and showed, showed where they're going to live, showed where they're going to work. And then Saturday and Sunday, they were escorted around the base to show where everything was, the chapel, the gym, all this or that. Now, is that a welcome? That's a welcome. See, these sailors probably knew they were wanted, but until then, they didn't know they were welcome. Well, at the risk of stretching this analogy too far, which I do, you know, we are escorted in Christ to the captain's cabin. And we are shown the ship. And we can take joy that we are not just wanted, but we are welcomed into the family of God. And so our adoption through Christ into the family of God proclaims that we are welcomed, that we are wanted, and third, that we are valued, that we are valued. Uh, notice that Paul says in Ephesians 1 that we, we are adopted out of slavery, out of slavery to sin into the family of God. He'll say in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has moved us into that new place that shows God's value for us. Romans 8, 14 through 16, read with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Friends, through Jesus Christ, we are valued. We are valued. We are welcomed. We are wanted. 
by the, in the family of God. Well, how would I summarize all this? In the remaining hour, I want to just drill down on this. We are rooted in God's family. We are rooted in God's family. You'll notice in the Ephesians passage that there are some words like chosen before the uh, beginning of the world, destined for this. And these all point to that thorny issue of, you know, God's sovereignty and predestination and how much freedom we have and how much God orchestrates and, and takes care of God himself. We don't want to get into that except that all this comes in a context. All this comes in a context. And the context is Gre Greco-Roman culture. And in Greco-Roman culture, there was this thing known as the capriciousness of fate. I mean, just fate. I mean, you just... The, it, 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 it's unpredictable. You just never know what fate is going to do. And they actually had a, a sort of embodiment of this called the Rota Fortuna. Let's see a picture of that. Uh, Rota Fortuna, which is Wheel of Fortune. Now, you think of Vanna White and Pat Sajak. No, no, no. This was the goddess Fortuna. And what this held was that the wheel spins... And the goddess will fall off one way or another and land somewhere. And that's how random, that's how random life is. And this greatly perplexed people and, 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 and they, it just, what's the word I'm saying? It just stayed with them all the time. You never know what, what the capriciousness of fate will decree for me. Uh, later in the Middle Ages, this sort of, this kind of philosophy came to more fruition. And uh, here's how one poet put it, A. He Hausman. I, a stranger and afraid, in a world I never made. Wow. Just living like that. I, a stranger and afraid, in a world I never made. The great... Christian mystic, Simone Weil, put it this way, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. And friends, we are rooted in God's family. Read with me Ephesians 3, 16 through 17. I pray that according to the rich of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Listen, as you are being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love in God's family. Let me suggest an analogy. Many Greeks and Romans lived feeling like this. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a picture I just couldn't resist. <laughs> okay, has nothing to do with the message. Come on, David. You knew. You're all right. uh, the, the Greeks and Romans, kind of, they felt like tumbleweeds. They felt like tumbleweeds. Like you just never know where fate's going to blow us. We have no agency. We have no control. It's all random. And can you imagine hearing the gospel that says, no, God chose you before the beginning of time. God destined you for his family, you are rooted and grounded in God's love in Christ, in the family of God. You don't have to worry about being tossed to and fro. And so here's my 
analogy, friends. We are not tumbleweeds. We are beautiful trees. Beautiful trees rooted and grounded in the love of Christ in God's family. Some of us are saplings, new in the faith, young in the faith, and some of us are pretty old trees. And you know, trees experience hardship. They do. Hardship is part of life. Bears come and scratch the tree to sharpen their claws. That's never pleasant. Deer come and, you know, shed their antlers by rubbing against trees. Dogs from the local village come and hike their leg on trees. Trees experience drought. That's not pleasant. That's not pleasant. Some of us have been through droughts. Trees experience winter where the leaves fall and they're just bare against the cold. But they are always rooted and grounded. And so say this with me, friends. I am not a tumbleweed. I am not a tumbleweed. (laughs) I'm a beautiful tree rooted and grounded in the love of God and Jesus Christ and in God's family. Friends, this is God's word to us, that I want you, I welcome you, I value you, and I want to root you and ground you in my love. Can we rejoice and say amen to that? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to worry about the capriciousness of fate and just always wonder when the next blow is going to come because no matter what happens, nothing can separate us from your love for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for adopting us into your family. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.